What I'm doing here this morning is the privilege of being able to open up the word to you and uh, and pray that you together with me will hear what God is saying to us, particularly about being overtaken with thanksgiving at uh, moments when we don't feel like it. So I'm going to ask you to stand and uh, the word is going to be on the screen. If you want to open your Bible to First Thessalonians chapter five. Verses 16 to 18, you can, but I'm going to go ahead and have us read from a common translation. I would like for us to read it together. Okay, ready, go. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Let's read that one more time together. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Please have a seat. So, climbing Half Dome is a lot harder than it sounds and looks. I mean, no big deal. I've hiked before. I've climbed rocks before. What? There should be no big deal about this, right? So 4.30 in the morning, it's really dark. And we, uh, we started out on the trail and, uh, and it didn't take long for our really pumped feeling to turn into a poop feeling. And, and we're just walking along and, and the complaints start because the lungs are kind of burning and the stomach is churning and the muscles are... And, and this is only mile two. Of nine, one way. (laughs) Fortunately, it's uphill and then it's downhill on the other way. Fortunately. But um, we're continuing on and, and we get to Little Yosemite Valley and that provides a little bit of a respite. And then we start up again. And after a while, those complaints that were coming from lungs and muscles are now kind of transferring to the mind and maybe a little bit to the to the mouth. You know, things like I wasn't cut out for this. Uh, there is no half dome. We're not getting anywhere close to the top. They lied to us. And all these kind of things are being said and. We finally, though, we did make it to where we could see Half Dome, and, and that's when somebody forgot to tell us there's a subdome in front of Half Dome. And so it's not like you climb up to the top and then you get to the cables and you can start that really steep ascent. No, there's 400 feet of granite between us and Half Dome. And usually the ranger will sit at the bottom. Why a ranger? Because you can't climb Half Dome these days without a permit. And so we have to have our permit checked. And we expected the ranger to be at the bottom of the subdome checking permits. But no, not today. Today, the ranger decided to park about 250 feet up the, the subdome. And so we had to climb to her, to her little perch on a goat path carved out of rock. With no handholds, where every step means certain disaster if you slip. And we get up to her and our leader hands her the permit and she has her little laptop computer and she's checking things in. 
She finishes her work. She hands the permit back to the leader and says, I'm sorry, your permit is not for today. It's for September 10th. You cannot proceed on to the dome. Now, there are a number of other words that are coming to my mind, and I don't think they can be said again in church. But then it's a question of what are we going to do now? What do we what we've come all this way? What do we do? And then I'm thinking that path that I just came up, I've got to go back down and I have discovered something going down paths that are chiseled out of rock that are like. No, they're smaller than this stair. They're harder to go down than they are to come up. Not only that, there are people trying to come up while you're going down. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And finally, into my ear whispers the Apostle Paul. And I say that figuratively because at that time I've been thinking on this verse. I'd already known I was going to preach on it. And this is what comes to my mind to rejoice always. Pray unceasingly that I can do and to give thanks in all situations. So I decided to pull all these things together and say, okay, for every step down, because I really was going to need Jesus at this time, every step down, it's like, thank you, Jesus. At a switchback, getting out of the way of somebody coming up. Thank you, Jesus. Stepping down a little bit more, got to the bottom of the subdome. Thank you, Jesus. The path gets a little bit easier. We finally wind our way back down. And uh, eventually, uh, some people who were fortunate to get on passes, Luke and Ashley, they got on somebody else's pass. They got up to the, the top. I'm glad I wasn't there because I would have seen my daughter go out on what's called the diving board. Yeah. <clears throat> I have enough fear of heights. What are you doing out there, child? Come back. But when we finally get down to the very bottom, we get back to the car, it's thank you, Jesus. And in this, in, in this moment of, of great stress, the thing that I became aware of was my language and my mind, my, my complaints being overtaken with thanksgiving by the choice of saying, I'm going to, I'm going to thank God that I'm down and I'm alive. In some ways, my story is really a first world problem. After all, I chose to take a day off of work because I could. And I chose to get up at two o'clock in the morning to be at Yosemite Valley at 430 to go on an 18 mile round trip hike to get up to a dome that I may or may not be able to climb up to. These were my decisions. When Paul wrote to his friends, the Thessalonians, uneven steps on a dome were not even on his radar. What they were looking at was Greeks who were opposing the message of the gospel and they would uh, haul them into court. They would stone them in the streets. They would oppose them in their work or they would have Jews with angry mobs. And these people would would come at them with fury and with fire. And Paul and his friends suffering harassment, all for following Jesus. And it's to these friends, to these Thessalonians that Paul writes, always rejoice, unceasingly pray, in everything give thanks. 
When I hear the stories coming out of the Middle East of our brothers and sisters who are in ISIS-controlled territory, I come back to this. And here are some of the remarkable things. If you read some of these stories, you'll find that, that some of these people who are being basically forced to recant or die when they will not recant and they're in the process of, of being executed, they are either praying or singing or in some other way thanking God. Think about that for a moment. I don't think any of us and I don't think any of them are looking for martyrdom. I don't think that their, their desire isn't to die. But at the moment where the choice is clear. They said, you know what? Jesus is my Lord and I will rejoice in him. Not I will be happy that I'm being killed. But I will rejoice in my God. I will continue to rejoice. I will continue to give thanks. So if a brother or sister facing death at the hands of someone who opposes the gospel can give thanks, maybe I can give thanks even though I'm being turned away from a rock. Paul knew hardship. He lived life on the run sometimes. But when he set down these words, I don't think Paul was just speaking out of the experience of persecution. I believe in some ways Paul was also speaking out of the everydayness of life. You know, he still had to make a living. He still had people he related to. He still had people that he was in communication with. He was still dealing with life. And life has its stresses. Life has its things that, that get us down. It's unexpected turns and twists. So whether it was burning whips or it was burnt toast, Paul imparts this wisdom to us. No matter what we face in our everyday life, we are not to be overtaken by our circumstances. But let the responses to our circumstances be overtaken by rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving. This idea of overtaken is an image that I began to think about in terms of, uh, of a, like one person overtaking another. If you watch a race, if you watch track, I know, it sounds boring. People running around on a surface and you just, it's like, I'm not doing that. But when these people get out on the track and, and they're running to be the fastest and you see somebody come from the back of the pack and they overtake the person in front of them. This is the image that that was in my mind when I'm thinking about a, a response of thanksgiving and rejoicing overtaking our complaint. Because sometimes in life, what is our first response? Our first response is to be negative, is to complain. It is to say something that, oh, this thing sucks. And sometimes... That's exactly what our response needs to be or should be, because when we look at the Psalms, a vast majority of the Psalms start off with, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? When Jesus is on the cross, he quotes Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But all of these Psalms don't stay on this word of complaint. When you read and dig into the, these psalms of lament, what you find is that they come to a place of hope. 
They come to a place of thanksgiving. They come to this place of saying, God, I trust in you. And I thank you because you are trustworthy. You are faithful. The lament is a real lament. The the lament is a real cry. But the hope and the trust is just as real. I'm sure that you have a story of a circumstance that doesn't bring thanks to your mind right away. Maybe when you are refused service by a business owner or the all famous refused the lane in front of you by the person who wants it more than you. Maybe uh, you lost a letter grade in school or maybe you lost your job or maybe you've lost a loved one. It's not our first response to rejoice. And I would say, as I said before, it's not necessary always to rejoice first, but to come to a place of thanksgiving, to come to a place of prayer, to come to a place where we express our hope and our confidence in the Lord Jesus. This last week, a friend of mine, Steve, went in for brain surgery to remove tumors from his brain. Uh, A couple weeks before, he and his wife had been in Canada, suffered a seizure. They had no idea what was going on, and MRI revealed the tumors. And so they were able to make it back home. And uh, this last week, they went in, they removed the tumors. The doctors believed they got them all. And we say, thank the Lord. But before the surgery, at the time when there's that moment of uncertainty, there's this moment of, when I wake up, am I going to be the same person I was before the surgery? And Steve is asking some of these questions. We took time to pray together. And the thing that that came from his prayers was his hope and his thanks to God that God is with him now. Steve was proclaiming in his prayers that, God, I don't want this surgery, but I know you're going to be with me in it. And I know you're going to get glory for yourself in this circumstance. Somehow, God, you are with me. And since you are with me, I am going to rejoice and I'm going to give thanks. Now, Steve is not a remarkable person. Other than the fact that he's my friend, that makes him remarkable, but... uh... But you wouldn't necessarily find Steve to be one of these people that you go, wow, just wow, saint, holy. Steve's an everyday kind of guy. And he continues to learn to trust and hope in the Lord. From that, he is always rejoicing, unceasingly praying, and in all things giving thanks. All of this didn't come just because he did flip a switch one day, but rather in his life he began to practice it. He let these items, these, these times of rejoicing and prayer overtake the complaining. He let the thanksgiving overtake the laments. He put himself in a place to say, I'm not going to make the negative my primary language. Rather, the negative is going to be overtaken with thanksgiving, with rejoicing, and with prayer. We know sorrow, and we will all know sorrow. But I encourage us, brothers and sisters, to let rejoicing overtake the sorrow. 
We will all have burdens. We will be carrying things in our life that we would prefer not to carry. But brothers and sisters, let prayer overtake our burdens. We will have complaints, but let thanksgiving overtake our complaints. In other words, let's not run with the language of negativity, the language of complaint, the language of sorrow, but rather if we compare it to a race, let the language of thanksgiving overtake those. Let prayer get to the front of the line. Let rejoicing find its way to the front of our mouths, our lives, and our souls. And if you're wondering, even as I was wondering at the point, why in the world would Paul ask us to do this? He makes it pretty clear. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever wanted to know what God's will is? This is pretty clear. This is right smack dab in our face. Now, I know that most of us, when we say, well, I want to know what the will of God is for my next step in life. That's usually what comes to mind. But, you know, I really believe that while God is concerned about the details of how our life is going to unfold, he's more concerned about who we are becoming as people. Who we are becoming as his followers, who we are becoming as Christ people. And so his will for us in who we are becoming needs to take precedent even in our own lives. So if you want to know what God's will is, look right here. He wants us to what? Always rejoice. He wants us to what? Never stop praying. He wants us to what? In everything give thanks. Because this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Our Lord would have us see that it shouldn't be remarkable among us. Our world isn't going to understand if we're thankful in all circumstances any more than they understood what happened when the Amish folk in Pennsylvania in 2007 forgave the killer of their children in school. They will not, they don't grasp it, they don't get it. And they won't get it if you, they won't get it if you're fired. I actually experienced this. I, I remember getting fired last year, just about 13 months ago. And I remember being angry and hurt and depressed. And yet, as I was working through all that, because I had to work through it, I had some people whispering in my ear, you know, you need to sue that guy. You need you need to make sure he can't do this to somebody else. And I knew in my heart that that was not the step to take. And they couldn't understand when I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let God take care of that while God is taking care of me. And they didn't get it. Folks, this is something that I believe we need to grasp because our culture isn't going to help us get it. We need to be able to dig in and be close to Jesus on this one to understand what it means to rejoice always, to not stop praying and to give thanks always in every circumstance. It's going to be Jesus who empowers us to do it. There's that there's what Paul has to say in Philippians. He says, you know. I have been with you, but now that I'm away from you, I want you to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. I can't do this without Jesus. And neither can you. 
And so this is one of those times when God's will is this is how God wants me to respond. And I'm going to need God to help me. And so will we all. And here's the good news. God will help you. God is helping you even now to to replace words of bitterness with words of rejoicing, to take words of complaint and put them on the back shelf, actually to take them and chuck them out the window. And to put in place of them words of thanksgiving. Being turned away from half dome isn't the worst thing that's happened to me in the last five years. I'm sure it's probably not something that probably not something that is the worst thing that could happen to you either. But I've learned in a whole new way the joy of not being overtaken in my circumstances, but by allowing God to overtake my responses with rejoicing, prayer and thanksgiving. There's another person who was learning this and he showed it in his lifetime, and that was Pastor Estel Shale. Most of us were not around when Estel was the pastor of this church. Some of you were. Some of you will remember him fondly. I had the opportunity to know him when they were living in San Jose. And then I had the privilege of attending his funeral this last week. And his son David had captured a moment where I think this really epitomizes, this this really shows what it means to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. October 27, 2013, as Estel was progressively weakening from a procedure replacing his aortic heart valve, he prayed this prayer, and David recorded it. Dear Heavenly Father God, we bow before You. Exalt Your person. Magnify Your great and wonderful name. You are God and we thank You for the Lord Jesus and for all that He is to us. We pray, Father God, for one another. We pray, dear Lord God, for Your hand upon me. We pray for the grandchildren, Lord, and let Your will be done. We pray, Father God, for we... For we pray thanking You for Your infinite love. And we thank You, Father God, for Your day-by-day care for us. And we do just pray that You would undertake for us in our needs. Oh Lord God, we do pray. We're so helpless. We're helpless. And You're everything to us. This we pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. With Paul, with Steve, with Estel as witnesses to this, I say to us all, let us not be overtaken by our circumstances, but let our responses to them be overtaken by rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving. This is His will for us who call Jesus Lord. And the Lord who calls us to it is faithful to empower us to rejoice, to pray, and to give thanks. And He will do it. Would you pray with me? As the worship team comes up, I'm going to ask them to come back as well. Taking a moment and and consider the words you've just heard.
Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are ever faithful. Thank you that you are the God of peace who can completely clean us and make us a new creation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who tugs in our hearts and reminds us of what is true. While we're in a moment just quiet and still and encouraging you to keep your eyes closed for the moment, maybe you're hearing this and going, you know, I don't understand it. I really don't get it. But I want to because I want to know Jesus. I don't know Jesus yet. Or the Jesus I know isn't the Jesus you just got done talking about. What I would invite you to do is, if you want to talk with me or with Pastor Brian afterwards, we just want to be able to identify you. If you're this person who wants to, who wants to know something more about Jesus, can you just slip your hand up? As for all of us who are in that relationship with Jesus now, I just would have you consider where in your life do negative responses overtake the positive? Are you willing with Jesus' help to turn that around? To allow that which is rejoicing in the Lord, praying unceasingly, and in all circumstances giving thanks, let those things overtake the negative responses of life. With the Lord helping you, where does that happen in your life? Father God, we would rely on you to see this work through and complete in us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.